Naomi Wolf returns to identify the beast terrorizing our nation and break down why we must face it right here, right now, on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope to subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. My guest is here to delve into a devastating, detailed account of wrong think, deplatforming, and an unexpected political, personal, and spiritual transformation that followed one of the most divisive times in American history. Are you ready? Well, let's get into it. She's known as one of the world's most influential feminists, a person who doesn't just comment on the most pervasive problems, but aims to solve them. A graduate of Yale University who received her doctorate from Oxford. She's a columnist, professor, and co-founder and CEO of Daily Clout IO, a successful civic tech company. Here to unpack her latest book, Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. I welcome to the show, Dr. Thank you. Naomi, thanks for coming back. Thank I really appreciate it. You know, you were here uh, You were here in June of 2022, and we covered a lot of ground then. We shook a lot of cages, rattled a lot in 40 minutes. The weaponized virus, vaccine fatalities, the attack on our family and children, how big tech, China, and globalist bad actors are among the factions seeking to remake our world. As bad as things were then, I fear you're going to say they're even worse now. Um, well, I, I'm kind of proud of us because... At that time, it was still a very marginal, wacky uh, argument to make, uh, according to certainly according to legacy media and probably more than half the country. And, I, and now people are kind of waking up um, en masse to the fact that we were right. And sadly, you know, we're at war. This nation is is being targeted with a new kind of warfare that people are not used to, but it's warfare nonetheless. And um, the injections are part of it. The assault on our institutions are part of it, our captured White House is part of it, um, the buying up of farmland through proxies for China and probably Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum are part of it. Uh, I just wrote a piece on my Substack, act, Substack actually about how language is being targeted. Um, and yes, my new book, Facing the Beast, does tell the story of how I realized that we were being targeted with a war and also how I was ejected from the left for starting to notice that. Well, I'm glad you went there because it segues into where I wanted to go. Most people, when I do, which is a conservative show, they're like, OK, you got all these conservative right wingers coming on. That's not your testimony. So please tell people, tell people who you were. And give them your background because it's really, really vast. And you have been on the other side. You know what was going on over there. So tell us who you yeah. were and why you changed. Yeah, it's sad to think of it as the other side, but it really is the other side, isn't it? Um, it we didn't used to live in such a divided country. People just had different points of view. It wasn't two different universes, but that's really what it's become. Well, yeah, um, People may not be familiar with with my my bio, uh, especially your audience, understandably. But I um, was kind of a fixture on in the legacy media on the left for 35 years. Um, 
I wrote eight best-selling nonfiction books. I was an advisor to uh, the Clinton re-election campaign and then to Vice President Gore, so solidly in the Dem camp. I thought you all were, you know, terrifying um, threats of various kinds. I thought it was so important to keep Republicans out of power. I did. I did think that. And I believed a lot of things that weren't true, as it turned out. Um, But in June of 2021, I did something I've been doing for decades, which is I reported on women's health. uh, And I posted a tweet, an accurate tweet, accurately noting that women were having menstrual problems upon receiving the mRNA injection. I was immediately deplatformed, but a global um, reputational attack followed. And I was unpersoned by the left, like permanently, like my, you know, an investor withdrew a six figure investment. Um, None of the editors who had sought me out for three and a half decades would answer my calls. You know, like I was kicked off of, you know, literally the A list of, of multiple kind of publicists. And, and just literally unpersoned, but it was really a blessing in disguise because the only people who wanted to talk to me, and they uh, they did want to talk to me, were conservatives and libertarians, and a lot of people of faith, like pastors and ministers and rabbi, orthodox rabbis. Um, so I I spent the last two and a half years in having new conversations, and they led me to re-examine a lot of what I believed, because it turned out a lot of what I believed was nonsense, not all of it. Um, among the uh, chapters in Facing the Beast, there's a, a letter to conservatives, dear mm-hmm. conservatives. I'm sorry, you know, everything, you know, so much of what I believed was nonsense. Um, But yeah, that's part of the journey of the last two and a half years. It was eye-opening. Okay, now I applaud and commend you for what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you why. As my background, as most people know on the show, I was a Democrat until I was 47 years old. Got born again, a follower of Jesus. And then I realized certain things. And then I looked into conservatism. I finally read the Constitution. And then I understood about we the people, why the country was set up the way it was. And I started to learn about communism. And here was the problem I had and why I commend you. I went to my friends. We're talking about college educated black men. And I had movies and I had all the facts and their response to what happened to you when their response to me was, one of them said, well, I guess you've proven to me, I didn't know it, but I am a socialist. Because if, uh, and then he goes, well, here's my point of view. I'll never rise above my means, but if I can knock the white man down a few pegs, I'm, I'm all for it. And then one of my best friends, college educated, over 60 years old, said this to me. I would rather this quote, I would rather the nation go communist than vote for a racist like Trump. That's for damn sure. So I applaud and commend you for when they canceled you that you didn't say, like a lot of people, I'm sorry and come back. Why didn't you do that? Well, how can I say I'm sorry? I was canceled for something that was true and also important. And, you know, I've been a famous feminist for 35 years and my beat. You know, one of the main things I focus on, along with civil liberties, is um, women's sexual and reproductive health. And if women are having menstrual problems in 2021, 
there are going to be fertility problems in 2023. I'm not a medical doctor, but it takes eighth grade biology to know that. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a 13 to 20 percent drop in live births. Maternal mortality is up 40 percent because these injections damage the placentas of women. Babies have to be delivered uh, premature. Um, and Pfizer knew all of this. We're seeing uh, lipid nanoparticles in breast milk. We're seeing, um, I mean, horrific things. Uh, it, you know, Pfizer knew that babies were dying in utero due to, quote unquote, maternal exposure to the vaccine. So they knew this would happen. Um, it, that so much of the Pfizer documents, and I'm talking about them because I'm probably best known right now because we've got a team of 3,250 scientists and doctors and RNs and pharmacists and biostatisticians and clinicians who volunteered to go through these documents released under court order um, that the FDA had custody of, these internal Pfizer documents. They're finding the greatest crime against humanity ever, but also a special focus on reproduction. So they knew they were sterilizing women. I mean, that that's the focus of so much of the internal um, study that was done is, is they saw they were causing an 80% miscarriage rate and they kept going, right? So I guess what I'm saying is how could I possibly apologize? You know, if I had kept quiet in 2021 or gone crawling back and saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I should never have mentioned mRNA vaccines, all those women who would have, you know, died in childbirth or their babies would be sick or they their babies would have miscarried, that would be on me. Naomi. I hear you. However, now this is what you should be saying to me, because this is what I learned back in 2012. It's not about the issues. It's always about the revolution. What do you mean by that? In other words, the issues of people, Marxists, socialists, communists, progressives, whatever, trying to take over the country, going back all the way to the Frankfurt School in 1935, that came over from Germany by way of Sweden, encamped at uh, Columbia. They, they, yeah, as you know, they're in academia, they're in Hollywood, they're in all over the, the evangelical church. The Communist Manifesto has always been, it's never about the issue. It's not right. about what we're telling you about. It's not about the women's reproduction. It's about the revolution. We've got right. to overthrow the country. That's why I was saying I'm glad you didn't come back because a lot of people come back because they realize, you know, they really don't care about my issue. They really don't care about the crimes in the streets. They really don't care if blacks are uneducated or if they're poor. It's all about the revolution. We have a job to do. And Naomi, you were supposed to know that. So how dare you? See, and that's what happens to any black person that tries to leave the Democratic Party plantation. They say, you know what this is about. How dare you? They really say that overtly? You didn't know that? Did you? I mean, did you? Did you, have you ever seen what happens to any black person that actually leaves the Democratic Party? Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's literally disgusting. And I, I'm so sorry. It's, it's Well, it's happened horrific. to you. That's what they do, right? Yeah, but I feel like it's even more um, unforgivable to do it to black people because, because the Democratic Party relies so much on the black vote. You know, but so see, they know they're going nowhere. That's the point. You escaped. See, you right. were able to do something that very few blacks will do. They'll stay there. 
They'll stay there because they're beaten yeah. down. They get government handouts. The church is turned. The church has turned them against the Constitution, against God, against white people. So they'll stay there. Jeez, they'll stay. Least. You left. Good. I mean, this you you know this opens up a huge, um, really important conversation. Well, first let me speak to the Marxist part. I, I, I am surprised that you're saying that. I was trained to say people of color, but maybe I should drop that in. Yeah, that's say that. black is wrong. It should be Negro, but go ahead. No, come on. We can't. Go there's there. a reason. Yeah, there's a reason for black. You see, you got to understand black was part of a revolution. It, there, it, 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 it took people out of out of God and away from Christ and, and created created a name and a pride in a nationality or a race, not in a pride in being an American or Christian. It was intentional. But, okay, that I, I'm open to believing, but but that um, goes all the way back to like Booker T. Washington, and it goes back to, to Frederick Douglass. I mean, that wasn't a recent invention. No, but notice what they were, uh, you know, what they were. And it was great that they were able to find their way and understood where freedom comes from. Freedom doesn't come from man. Freedom comes from God. And they weren't going to let anybody, whether they're a slave or not, take away their freedom. See, we have given not just us. Everybody's given their freedoms away. They're given their freedoms away for issues and agendas. Yeah. And what you end up doing, because so many people, they'd say, they, OK, the women. Babies. Okay. All right. So we're going to murder your babies. Okay. The same sex marriage, everything, their issue, the Democrat party offers them cover. That's why you have Muslims and Jews under the same tent sitting at the Democratic Party convention, looking at each other saying, why am I here with somebody that I know really wants to blow me off the face of the earth? And now we're starting to see that they get all these people in their big tent by scratching their itch. But it's still all about overthrowing the Constitution and ushering progressivism, Marxism, eventually communism. So I just so to answer your question, you know, did I know it was all about the revolution? I have to say, when I was on the left, we thought people who were upset about Marxism were ridiculous and, you know, hyperventilating and blowing things out of proportion. And I studied the Frankfurt School in college as heroes, you know. Um, and so, no, I don't think we thought we were engaged in that progressivism equaled actual Marxism. It took, I mean, I'll never forget this. I, I you know, Daily Clout breaks down politics so that people can be more empowered legislatively. And one of the things I did was I read the the platforms and read the bills. I read Bernie Sanders' platform when he was running for president. I was like, holy heck, this guy is an actual communist. Like I thought, oh, cute Bernie Sanders. He says he's a socialist. That's just a turn of phrase. But the, the, he actually wants to nationalize whole industries like the energy sector and and even forgiving student debt for some people, not others, is a massive intervention of the state and the economy. I was shocked. And then I read the Green New Deal, which everyone was supposed to be for on the right, on the left side of the aisle. And I was horrified because it was it was a totally centrally planned economy. They were going to put the whole economy practically in the hands of 15 unelected people like a Politburo. Um, and so then I began to think, holy cow, there really is something to this you know, this really is Marxism, but people on the left seem not to be aware historically 
Um, and the more I was open to scrutinizing, is this really Marxism, the more I'm actually seeing that it really is. But to answer your question, I'm not aware that black people who are in the Democratic Party think they're doing communism. I think they think they're doing, you know, progressivism and liberalism, which has a long, a, a very noble tradition in our country. Uh, you know, I could be wrong from what you're telling me I'm wrong, but I don't think... I mean, it, the the Marxist nature of progressivism is getting more and more nakedly visible, certainly since 2020. But, uh, you know, until recently, I don't think most people thought they were Marxists. Uh, I agree with you. I agree. There was two types of people on the left. There were the people that are, as I said, down for the revolution, the Lenin, Stalin, you know what, the revolution, they want to overthrow the country. They want government to control. They don't what, want God. What evidence do you have that people on the left actually want an armed Marxist-style revolution in America. I can see that they can, like, be hypnotized into handing over everything to the state. And right, to the state. Benefits, but that's not the same as a real dialectical, you know, communist manifesto. Here's the problem. Look at, look at Cuba. Look at Venezuela. Look at the countries that thought socialism would be cool. And then when they found out 15 people are going to run it, now it becomes communism because now the strong hand of government, they've taken your guns away. You can't get your country back. See, it won't start out as communism, but when right. 15 people and right. the state controls, they close all your churches, your church. Churches are underground, like in China and all these places, and you can get no help from anybody. You look like North Korea, and then you're looking for help. There's nobody except the dictator. You have no elections, and you have no freedom, and you start eating your pets like you're doing in Venezuela. In Venezuela, that's not that's not what they tell you. No, See, I get it becomes communism when they won't give up the power. Now yeah. they're gonna they're gonna come become the KGB, but that's. I really, again, I want to commend you that you're seeing this because, see, when a lot of people I know, and I've been doing this, I've been involved with movies when I've been doing this since 2012, I have 12, less than 10 people that have seen the light. Most people that I know, college educated, who used to be the useful idiots that Lenin talked about, and that was his thing. They think it's about the issues. They don't realize it's about the revolution. Some realize it's about the revolution, but when I tell people about this, they go along and become part of the revolution. Will you yeah. didn't? I yeah. applaud you for that. Thank you. I mean, yes. Um, I think the the right, if they want to win more hearts and minds, does need to grapple with some of the reasons people some people on the left left would rather put up with all the nonsense than cross over. And one of them I want to go back to, you talked about how striking it was that Muslims and Jews sit together at a table, you know, under the banner of the Democratic Party. Well, one reason respectfully is that, and I'm Jewish, um, conservatives don't do a good job explaining how they're not going to create a theocratic state. And they use phrases like Christian America. And that is exactly not what our founders created on in, on this continent. They created a nation that had a very revolutionary, in a good way, separation of church and state. There wasn't an established church like in England. Um, and so people were free to follow their conscience, including Quakers and Mormons and Jews and, you know, all the different religions that flourished in the United States. That's And that's enshrined in our constitution, freedom of conscience. Um, so, uh, 
you know, a lot of people would rather go along with all kinds of nonsense, especially minority, you know, religious minorities like us, because we know what it's like to live in a theocratic state in which, oh, you know, you're not worshiping Jesus. Well, it's the Inquisition. You know, we're going to take all your stuff and we're going to burn you at the stake. I mean, See, that's a blatant lie from the left. I'm going to tell you because the, the, the founding fathers and first off, there is no the separation of church and state is that no state can be forced to serve a certain religion. In other words, you can't be forced to be Presbyterian here, Catholic in that state. The separation of church and state never had anything to do with the separation of, of state and God because the founding fathers understood and that constitution is birthed under Judeo-Christian values and it's the Christians that protect the Jews. The Jews, uh, the secular Jews have run to the left looking for protection of the people that are absolutely against him. You're about to find out. See, trust me on this. It's going to, it's, it's starting now. You're going to see, you're seeing it now. You're seeing it in your college campuses. Why is this going on? Why are they supporting Hamas? See, there's a reason. There's a reason that the, the founding fathers gave you freedom of religion. It's mm -hmm. the left that wants an atheistic state. Remember the first thing Karl Marx did, he had to get rid of the church, all of the church. Because you're no, either gonna I, you're gonna serve God or you're gonna serve government, but not both. Uh, so I totally agree with you that Marxists target religion, and and they're targeting religion very very hard right now. But you're not. I don't see evidence that Christianity was established in our constitution. God was, you know. But that's different. Like I worship God, you worship God. I'm not. I'm not a Christian. Right. Religion. I know. Um, so it doesn't reassure me when you say things like I didn't say the, I didn't say Christianity. I said the worship of God. You're like you have the freedom. The founding fathers you gave you the freedom to worship God any way you want. All right, the left that wants to take that away. No, you misunderstood what I said. Right. It always it never said one nation under Christ. It said one nation under God. True. Okay. Thank you. Okay. But but I do hear you know conservatives, some conservatives with whom I otherwise agree on a lot of things throwing around the phrase Christian America, Christian America, we have to put Jesus in the White House, you know, like, it's scary. It's scary to religious minorities. It really Jesus is. Jesus is about saving souls. You know, um, Jesus is not, didn't want to be in the White House any more than he wanted to be, take over for Nero or take over for Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas or Annas. I totally the book, agree. The book, <laughs> tell them, tell them, why did you write it? And tell them what the premise is about. Sure. Um, so I wrote it because a lot of people asked me about my journey of the last two and a half years. And also uh, I wrote it because the story of the Pfizer volunteers and, and what they found is, I think, the most important news story in probably the history of journalism, you know, that we're finding out that a gigantic corporate pharmaceutical company that with global reach has poisoned you know, 3 billion people. Um, recent news stories are showing that there's contaminants and adulteration in the in the injections. But we, you know, we broke so many stories earlier than that, showing the damage and the death and the disability and um, the sterilization and so on. So that seemed like a really important story to tell. And lastly, bringing it kind of more peaceably back to what we were just talking about, um, I wanted to write this because I, I did become convinced in the course of analyzing the last three years that what we're seeing now is not normal human history. Um, the way the evildoers 
uh, the World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, China, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all of these allied globalists, the way they rolled out all these lies and harms simultaneously all around the world in 132 languages and you know thousands of dialects goes beyond what human beings are capable of in history. So I concluded, and the the targeting of, you know, all the things God is, right? Family and closeness and schools and churches and, you know, art and community and speech and singing and, you know, all of, all of it, the destruction of businesses, locking people indoors alone, letting elder people die alone, the turning of hospitals into concentration camps, really, where, you know, fatal uh, toxins were administered to the elderly. All, all this is really not, I mean, all this is really aimed at God on a massive scale. And you can't, in normal human history, people don't comply in en masse like that. There's always dissidents or there's always, you know, factions or you can't bribe everyone or some rich people won't go along with it because they've already got the money uh, or there's, you know, assassinations. You know, this is just not normal. What can we do? What can we do to fight this? Well, I think there's a lot, but first I think recognizing it is very important. So yeah, I've concluded in Facing the Beast that we're in a battle between good and evil. Um, that's becoming more commonly known that's really metaphysical. And so I think prayer is, you know, I'm not telling people what to do. Uh, we're not allowed to proselytize, but personally, I think prayer matters. I never used to think it mattered very much, but I don't think we're going to get out of this without prayer and without God's help. Honestly, the the this abyss is so vast and dark. Um, what else can we do? Well, um, I mean, I think we can reclaim all the things that were targeted, right? Insist on community, knowing your neighbors, literally potlucks, you know, going to town hall meetings, insist on in-person gatherings, um, learn where your food comes from, learn how to live off the energy grid if it goes down, you know, um, learn to shoot. Like I, I'm learning to shoot. Um, I think we're I think we're going into a time of incredible chaos, especially leading up to the election. And all of our systems are going to collapse. I mean, a lot of them are collapsing. Uh, I predicted that there would be, you know, food shortages and attacks on our food supply and, you know, cyber security problems. And all of those are coming true, of course. So we, if we strengthen our resistance on the local level and also really know what our laws say and, and affect our laws directly. And um, we've got a platform on Daily Cloud called BillCam where you can do that. You can read bills and share them and stop bad bills and launch good bills. Um, so we we have to be what, you know, what that group was in 1776. We have to be the ones to fight for America again and not leave it to anyone else. Naomi, Thank you so much for your insight. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for starting to see, finally starting to see the light. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on. You know, we left a lot of meat on the bone. If you want to come back, we can continue because we kind of got off a little bit, but I really want to get more into the book. So if you're willing to come back, I'd yes. also love to have you. So thank love you for that. coming on. Thank you so much. There you much. go, everybody. Dr. Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf's book is entitled Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. I want to thank her for shedding more light on the imminent danger our nation is in and what we can do, what we must do to overcome it, to fix it. 
There is so much more we want the listeners to understand in regard to the insidious forces behind the perilous times we live in. So Naomi has agreed to come right back and dive deeper into her book. That interview is scheduled to be available on November 14th. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. For first-time listeners, we encourage you to look at the podcast archive located on the page. All episodes are there, featuring more than 125 high-profile guests, including Brigitte Gabriel, David Horowitz, Judge Janine Pirro, Ben Carson, Michael Loftus, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Kevin Sorbo, Will Witt, Diamond and Silk, Dr. Carol Lieberman, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Monica Crowley, Carol Swain, Clay Clark, Carrie Lake. That's a wrap for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you. God bless your family, and God bless America.